The Leftovers Season 2, Episode 10, I Live Here Now, is over, but we're just getting started here live on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler. Very excited to be live with you here talking about The Leftovers. We haven't been live all season long. We're live tonight, and I'm here with a guy who I hope he understands, Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, do you understand? I live here now, Josh. We're live here now. I live here now, yes. I, I don't oh know. Do you understand? It's nice to see your face. It's so nice to see your Reach face. Reach out and I'm, touch someone. This is I nice. Can't, I, I still can't hit you, but I'm, I'm trying to go through the computer and go homeward bound towards your towards You know what face. I understand, Josh? I understand that I don't understand. I understand what I don't understand. So this will be fun. All right, this will be really fun. Antonio and I, we've been recapping The Leftovers ever since The Leftovers premiered. Uh, we've we've missed one episode, Once Upon a Time, in uh, season one, I think, episode five. We combined that with episode six. But other than that, we've hit them all, and we are, we are very excited for the first time to be live talking about the show after the season two finale, which theoretically could be the series finale, Antonio. Yeah, th- let's hope that theory doesn't, uh, this, of the many theories about The Leftovers, let's hope that one doesn't pan out. That would be a true tragedy. But if it is, if it is to be the final episode of the series of The Leftovers, I think they did a pretty bang-up job wrapping up not only season but series. And I'd hate to see it be the series finale, but we, it could be. We'll talk about that. It could be. We could talk about that. So we're live here on PostShowRecaps.com. We're going to be taking questions. Thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who's here with us live, who is fielding all of those questions for us. If you want to get stuff in, we've got the chat room open on PostShowRecaps.com. We've got the comment section open there and on YouTube. And you can tweet at us uh, at AC Mazzaro with two Zs as Antonio. I'm at Round Howard. You could tweet at PostShowRecaps and use the hashtag PSRecaps. We'll get to your questions. That's what we're trying to do here. This is really just live reactions to what was a pretty absurd episode of a very absurd show in a really amazing way. Um, and we will, we will do a deeper dive, a longer look at the leftover season finale later in the week. So this is just the first, this is the first silo. We've got more coming, uh, coming up. So just let's, let's talk it through Antonio. I mean, thumbs up, thumbs down. How I, I kind of, for you and I, we've been so simpatico with this show this season. And I find it hard to imagine thumbs down in any capacity. Yeah, no, definitely no capacity. Thumbs down, thumbs up all the way. Thumbs up all the way. Yeah, I don't know. Been, I mean, like, how many thumbs do you have, Josh? I've got two. I've got two that I can that I could give, and if I could give more, I would. I mean, it was crazy. It was it was a great episode. It definitely felt uh, like it felt like the leftovers, the movie. You know, it felt it definitely had this real. Not that the the show hadn't had this already, but it had this real cinematic quality. It was the culmination of so many plot points that have been developed all season long. You know, we've been drilling down into very character focused episodes all season long, and finally we got into everybody's headspace, at least to some extent, some more than others, and. A lot of payoffs to things that I did not expect to see payoffs to, like Mary. We got an answer on on uh, on whether Matt Jameson was seeing things with his wife months ago, or whether or not there was legitimacy to his claims. We got answers on that. We got to see the aftermath of Kevin's resurrection. We got to see Kevin die again, kind of, and then get resurrected again. Uh, and we know what was inside the trailer beyond just uh, you know. We we got the reveal last week that Evie had joined the Guilty Remnant. We see the follow up of that this week, and it is bad. Bad news bears for Jarden. So it really felt like a lot of, you know, the, the, the can of worms is wide open and everything that is slithering around outside is, you know, fantastic to watch. So it was, it was epic. It was an epic, epic end to what has been just a tremendous season of, of television. Yeah, I think we firmly established that John Murphy is really bad at killing people. Yeah, he's he, horrible. <laughs> he's not good. He just doesn't try hard enough or something. Like it yeah, just doesn't work said. out for him. 
Yeah, I, I didn't try hard enough is what he had said in the season premiere. And man, you really did not learn that lesson. Uh, you know, you really should have gone for the headshot on, on Kevin Garvey, especially a guy who told you that he was dead a few hours earlier. Maybe be a little extra cautious with this guy. Yeah. Uh, Josh, did you adorn yourself accordingly for tonight's episode, by the way? No, I mean, I'm wearing grayish whitish that I guess is guilty remnant esque. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah. I was thinking I was thinking of putting on a suit and being an international assassin. But when Kevin uh, put on the cop uniform, I felt like it was no longer appropriate. Yeah. And I don't know. I this is me. I'm if I if the hoodie were in the uh, were in the closet, I would absolutely put it on. Uh, and I would probably be branded a slacker and never make it anywhere in the hotel. So here we are. <laughs> No, you're priestish. You're you're the priest of the leftovers here. You're preaching the gospel, so I think that it counts. I think it counts. All right. Well, uh, I, I I bestow blessings upon thee, Josh. You're all, all right. right. Now. All right, so let's let's preach the gospel. Let's dig in a little bit. We're going to do a shorter podcast tonight and again the longer podcast later this week. So let's talk about headlines. Let's talk about the big stuff. What is the biggest thing for you? What do you think is the biggest thing that we need to be chewing on right now? What what do you think people are really focused on coming out of this leftovers finale? Do you think there there's any one thing? Um any one big ticket item? I'd say the biggest ticket item has to be the many deaths and lives of Kevin Garvey. Uh, Kevin Garfield, is that maybe his name? He's a cat. I saw that on Reddit. Like, he has nine lives, apparently. Um, I'd say that the Kevin Garvey storyline, because, of course, when we saw episode eight and we saw the holy ass ending from Michael, we didn't really, we, we were kind of wanting what was going to happen. How long was he dead? Uh, you know, what did I, what did Virgil tell Michael? Like, what did we know? What did we not know? So I think that the Kevin Garvey kind of bullet points, if you you will, uh, were the key bullet points, and I will, by the way, uh, throughout this episode. And I think really the takeaway is Kevin lived. Uh, he lived through the thing. He came up. He, he definitely was – something was going on with Kevin. And then it happened again, Josh, uh, with, the, with the faucet and everything. Uh, and so I think that's the, the main takeaway. And the other takeaway, I suppose, is that Miracle is not safe. Jarden is not safe. And I think that that was really kind of a brewing story throughout the course of this season. And I think a lot of people were out to prove that. And I think we see it now, uh, like loud and clear when we see the town square has turned into, I don't even know what, a gathering of the juggalos. Like, it's I don't, hell. It's hell. Yeah, there's burning and T-shirts and drinking and uh, people doing stock shots. Like, uh, I just don't even know. And the, the, I, I, so that's, I think, the, the second biggest story is Miracle is no longer is no longer Miracle. It has gone down uh, in flames uh, through uh, what, passive action, through nothing happening, through a bunch of people just marching at once, and that's all it took. All right, so let's let's take that in two parts, and let's start with the let's start with the Kevin stuff because I I mean we sang the praises of international assassin. We couldn't have sang them any any harder. We could we sang a little even probably stronger than Kevin Garvey was singing tonight. Yeah, uh, his Kevin Garfunkel. Uh, you know that <laughs> that was that was a great scene by the way. But Kevin in international assassin that was that was one of my favorite episodes of anything ever, let alone the leftovers. I think it's very decisively number one still for me, even after this finale. It's just you know just it, it taken in its its totality. It's just such a special episode of tv but i never ever imagined that we would be going back to the hotel that thought did not even once cross my mind uh that we would return to that world that that would be something that would come up again on the leftovers and especially for that to happen you know two episodes later uh you know halfway not even quite halfway a little bit past the halfway mark of the finale for kevin to return to that world when it faded to white when we have this overhead shot of the miracle bridge and the guilty remnant and everyone from the park are going into jardin and we start to fade to white and we see the dripping of the faucet 
I don't know what your first reaction was, but I was just like, oh my God, are we actually doing this again? Is this really happening? I was so happy, Josh. Yes, I, I was, was so happy. <laughs> it was fantastic. We got we got the uh, it's, it's the sequel to International Assassin called Mapleton Police Officer. Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, we got yeah, Mapleton inter- Police Officer. Yeah, International Assassin Two, Mapleton Bugaloo, or, or yeah, or local cop, like International local. Assassination. <laughs> so local cop. So the yeah. local cop episode. It was great. It was great. It was really good. I mean, it's got the music again. He gets. He has to adorn himself once again. He has to make all of those choices. And you and I, Antonio, we spent a lot of time talking about um, could he have chosen another attire? Could he have worn the Guilty Remnant uniform? Could he have worn the Mapleton uniform? Could he have looked like the priest? Um, and we wondered what those versions of, of those episodes would look like. And now we get we like we get that followed up immediately. We get it two episodes later. We see the version of it when he is the the cop. So why do you think he went for the Mapleton uniform? Why do you think he went that way? What does that say about who Kevin is now versus who he was when he went into International Assassin? I think it's a, a, a fair question because I think in International Assassin he looked at the suit and he thought, well, this is pretty slick. Like this is the best look. And he even starts to do that again. I think before he realizes this can be something else. And I think when you talk about identity for Kevin Garvey, I think his identity as Chief Kevin Kevin Garvey, which was short-lived, mind you, I think that meant a lot to him. Uh, I think it meant a lot to him to be kind of a man of the law, uh, to be respected, to have all those things going on, uh, which he really hasn't had happen since he's entered into Miracle. He's just been kind of a guy. And I think he's, he's taken some of that back a little bit. I mean, he has no knowledge at the time. Uh, when he chooses the outfit, what has happened in the town. He really doesn't know that the guilty remnant are back, that Meg is there, that all the things that he comes to find out after he wakes up uh, have happened. So this is a pure choice based on who he is after he wakes up. We remember that the man, if you want to call him David Burton, fine, call him David Burton. The man on the bridge said, you know, you're going to be changed. People have told Kevin, you're going to have been changed by this experience. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't see too much evidence of that. But what I did see was a Kevin Garvin who, Kevin Garvey, who when faced with this choice again, he chooses the police uniform. And I think there's a lot of strong ties to season one there. That's the Kevin Garvey we kind of knew uh, from season one. We haven't really seen Law and Order Kevin Garvey. So it was a very interesting choice for sure. Yeah, I think so. And I think a big piece of it is, you know, he, he doesn't know what this world is the first time he enters here. It's a complete shock to him uh, as well as to us. And he goes with that uniform and he becomes this international assassin, which is this very confused identity that he certainly is not in his day-to-day life. Uh, he's Kevin Harvey in this world. And it's one letter off, but it's a letter off that makes a world of difference in terms of turning him into this person that he is not normally. Um, when he goes back and, and looks at the clothes this time around, he looks at the uniform and there is a specific moment of him looking at it saying Maple uh garvey you know yeah, it, it, garvey. Sa- it says his name and you know the the whole rule is know yourself then adorn you know know who you are and adorn yourself accordingly and it's like he went through this experience before he went through this crucible the first time and he came out and he was confident and changed in in the moments that he was out of the ground and alive and hanging out with the Murphys. And, you know, even, even when he went up to John, he's like, oh, the print matched, let's talk. Uh, you know, there was just this confidence about him, this renewed sense of identity. And I think when he sees the uniform and knows that he has to go through this again, I think that it's just like, no more effing around. I know who I am. I know which choice to pull. And he just pulls the uniform. And, and that seems to me like a sign that 
Kevin Kevin Garvey knows that he's Kevin Garvey. He, he those demons are gone. He would like to get out of the hotel again because he would like to be back with his family, and he wants to do it the most efficient way possible, and that's by just being himself. Yeah, and uh, I think that that's really I think that's a really good point. And of course, when the phone rings, uh, they say Kevin Garvey, like they say his name correctly. Right. Uh, so I think that that's uh, that's a really you know he by choosing this outfit he gets to be Kevin Garvey, and I think that matters. Um, so that's interesting for sure. Yeah. So what did you think of the fact that, you know, last time he had to he had to drown a little girl in the well. He had to push a girl in the well and then drown her, uh, you know, in, in the well. And that's what she, he had to do in order to, to make it out of this place that time. This time um, he has to he has to sing his way out. Uh, what did you what did you think of all that? I mean, it's fantastic, right? Like, and and I really did enjoy the line uh, where where the guy basically says, like, you pushed a little girl into a well and now you don't want to sing. I think that's interesting. I, that he, the, the guy says the, the, the observer, if you will, the person says, um, the trial is beneath you. It's too easy. Uh, You know, you think it's, and Kevin says it's stupid. Uh, And I think that that's all, that's all interesting because, some people might think that about uh, things that, you know, give them strength or joy, like like religion or um, people might think that uh, believing certain things are beneath them or doing certain things are beneath them or stupid. They may see these things that could actually end up having power in their lives as beneath them or stupid. And so I thought that that was pretty interesting to see for sure. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, more than anything, is that is that it was kind of if you want to take the greater tie-in that the leftovers always has, kind of hanging over your head about religion and uh, ritual and all those things that come into play. Uh, here we have this very ritualistic, what what is called a trial, in fact, uh, by the observer there. Uh, and Kevin says it's stupid and it's beneath me. And only really by accepting that it's not those things uh, is he able to progress. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's really great that he's just able to, you know, kind of have this have this moment where he's challenged where he's like, "Oh, you don't, you know, you don't want to sing, but you're cool with pushing a kid down the well." Uh it was just <laughs> such a such a bizarre moment. Uh but it was great. All right, let's talk about um let's talk about Miracle getting run over. Did we what what did you think, you know, when when Liv Tyler rolls into town and she's got she's got the 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 truck, the the trailer that's filled with plastic <laughs> explosives allegedly. It turns out that that is not the case at all uh were you were you surprised by the direction that this took what did you think was going to be happening here? i wasn't that surprised actually uh the guilty remnant are famous more for their troll actions i think that it's kind of the, the sort of thing that they do uh to really generate a response from people they aren't uh, they aren't really super aggressive now of course we know that meg is sort of off the rails when it comes to being guilty remnant she's not really with their typical thing uh but i think their goal is often to provoke an emotional response in people. We know their typical MO is just to stand in front of people's houses until people react. And Meg wants to shake it up a little bit, we know. She wants people to react more boldly uh, and more directly. But I, I never thought that you know we were definitely going to see murder uh, or girls blowing themselves up or the bridge being blown up it always did seem to be about getting miracle uh kind of shaken up the city itself and really giving those people access if you remember what meg said to matt last episode she basically said something along the lines of like you guys are right here you won't go in what are you waiting for i'll tell you what you're waiting for you're waiting for me so it did seem like it was always going to be about 
piercing the veil around Miracle. Uh, after last episode, specifically with Meg going there, spinning on the ground, not really finding that it was a special place. I think she wanted to wake the people in Miracle up, and I think she wanted to prove to the people outside Miracle that it wasn't this impenetrable place. And so all it took was really an action where uh, everybody paid attention, everybody was focused on one thing, and then everybody acted at once. And so it didn't surprise me that much. I wasn't really expecting explosions uh, were you expecting explosions were you shocked by this at all i mean when when the clock starts ticking down when it's an hour until this thing is supposed to blow and the fact that she says i have the plastic explosives and the fact that that was hinted at in the previous episode all of that led me to believe that in this episode when the girls were just standing around uh outside of the trailer on the bridge pacing around the clock ticking down, I absolutely thought that the thing was going to blow right up until the moment that it didn't. Right up until the moment that it didn't. I really thought that that's where we were going. I thought that we were going to lose Erica. I thought that John Murphy's comeuppance was going to be that he had to watch his daughter and his wife die, especially after, you know, he had had this awful, awful final moment with Erica, with his wife. Uh, And it was it was terrible. It was terrible. I really thought that's where we were going. I didn't. and then, and then it didn't, you know, it was, it was, it was like the, you know, the bang flag came out of the gun, you right. know, like it was like, it was just the, it was the total fake out. So I absolutely thought that's where we were going when, when it didn't happen. And when the plan instead became, they were just charging right in, they walked right into Jardin. Um, I was, I was surprised. I mean, I, I thought that we were definitely going there in some capacity. I thought that the guilty remnant would be coming in. Um, but I didn't think that it would just be like, we're just going to stroll right in. Uh, you know, when, when, when the people out in the outside of the park start like stripping down and putting the guilty remnant uniforms on, I thought that they were getting into militant mode. I thought that they were going to do the types of things that Meg had been talking about of like just the completely charging them and putting their cigarettes out in their eye. Uh, not, you know, literally like that, but being super violent immediately. Um, so it played out differently than I expected it to, but obviously it still had fiery effects. Uh, the fact that, Jarden is effed right now. Jarden is pure <laughs> chaos right now. What is even going on? Um, so it's a it's a total disaster there. Which is uh, that was that was really jarring to see Jarden in that shape. Yeah, and I, I'll say that uh, you know you're you're right that it seemed like Meg would have been the cigarette putting out in the eye kind of thing. But like I said, the evidence is also there that she's interested in waking the people outside Miracle up and getting them to move. And the guilty remnant has always been about getting people to understand, getting people to feel. And in that regard, that bridge scene was every bit as harrowing when, when it didn't blow up. Like it was every bit like there were, there were all the emotions of whether it would happen. Uh, people the the Erica scenes were fantastic. Uh, the stuff with John was really good. Uh, the stuff with Evie kind of playing stoic and cold uh, was brutal, but awesome. And then the stuff with the baby, with Lily, uh, with Lily, little Lily, holy little Lily Wayne, or if you, however you want to call her, like that was rough. And I, you know, harken back a little bit to um, the baby in the beginning of the series or this season, where that somebody had to pick a, you know, this baby up and take care of this baby and all these things. I mean, they, those were really powerful things that were happening regardless of whether the bridge ultimately blew up or not. And I think really more than anything, Meg's mission is accomplished in that the lyrics to the Jarden song, I think changed slightly. 
When, well, did they? Yeah. When, when, when they're singing the song, you know, normally it's like, God has spared our town. It's like present tense. God, God has spared our town. Like we are spared. And then when Meg and, uh, and Evie sing it in the eerie harmony in that sort of Fallout 4 version of the, uh, of the, you know, the welcome center, uh, where the video is playing on a, on a screwed up loop and the guilty remnant are all there. They, I think they say God had spared our town. Is there a lot of singing in Fallout 4? Am I missing out? Well, I don't know about the singing part, but the, <laughs> the beaten up like uh, old government buildings part is certainly totally prevalent. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know about the singing part. I'm not all the way through it. Don't spoil it for me if you know. Oh, I don't know. I don't Fallout know anything. Well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the gamer type. I don't yeah. know. Well, uh, at any rate, yeah, I think the lyrics to this song did change from God, God has spared our town to God had spared our town. I mean, obviously I'll have to watch it again to see if my ears were on point with that one but if that's true then mission accomplished for me that's a great concept if that's true because you know that's absolutely the new status quo is if they had ever been spared to begin with which there's the argument from michael murphy that uh we you know we may have you know dodged the departure but we were not spared uh you know there's that that was such a great moment and i think that now you know, it's it's very pronounced in 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 what Meg has done and what the Guilty Remnant have done. That this place is just it's you know it's the it's hell on earth right now. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, you say it looked like Hill Valley, alternate Hill Valley, nineteen eighty five. Uh, you know, I expect that Biff is probably <laughs> now the mayor of uh, of Miracle, and he lives in a high rise. And Leah Thompson has giant fake breasts, and like horrible oh, things are happening to uh, poor Marty McFly and George McFly, and oh, Doc Brown, no good. He's probably committed. Like this is the whole like alternate Hill Valley, nineteen eighty five, is happening in Miracle right now. The Hell's Angels are one step away from riding it on their motorcycles. Like this. This is no bueno for the town of Miracle. It is uh, certainly not miraculous to the people that live there. To the people who are outside, on the other hand, this is their miracle. Uh, like, this is what they've been waiting for. They've been wanting to get in. They've been heavily regulated. On this day specifically, There no visitors even. Nobody was even allowed in the town, period. And now all the people who are living in Outer Miracle, all the McPoyles have streamed in. The McPoyles! Yes, they're <laughs> McPoyling everywhere. They're drinking their, their milk, uh, and, you know, they're just, they're doing crazy oh, things. gross. Yeah, all their campers are coming in. They're just going to have a big hoedown in the middle of Miracle there. The Gathering of the Juggalos is is real Josh and you contrast that to the early early images we have of Miracle from this first season where the visitors are coming in filing in all orderly and getting off the bus and so happy and looking up and these people are basically listening to death metal and dubstep and you know throwing shots down their gullets as they joke around in the stocks like it's a uh, it's bad news for miracle and i don't know no one's safe i mean that's it's really true babies are being stolen like stuff is going down honestly um the the moment where lily was stolen from nora i was that was probably the biggest sense of dread that i had the entire night especially when you see lily lying there in the middle of the bridge um this is a dark show this is a very grim show. This has been the show from the very, very beginning. There have been moments of lightness. There are moments of hope. Um, but there's often just deep, deep, deep depression um, and, you know, deep, deep darkness. And I, in the moment, had would not have put it past the show for people to stampede over 
holy Lily. I, I thought that Lily was about to get crushed, and I thought we were about to see that happen. I thought that's where we were going. I was so thankful that that did not happen, but it was such a palpable terror that I was feeling inside of me that I have never felt that worried or concerned uh, in, in the entire run of The Leftovers. It was the, it was the, it was the biggest low that I have had. I was just – I was – wrecked by that whole sequence do you feel with regard to that and with regard to kevin as well uh, and really just the way that it all played out tommy there were some theories that tommy would sacrifice himself to save whatever was happening etc etc there are no explosions mary is good do you feel like the leftovers pulled any punches here are you okay with kind of everything working out as best as it could in light of the fact that Miracle is overrun, uh, the sign is in flames, like horrible things happen to the town. And yes, the Murphy family is split up now, but the rest of it, I, I got to say, like way worse things could have happened, uh, as you're pointing out. And so this for the leftovers, even though I teared up multiple times throughout the episode, I'm not ashamed to admit it, like even though that happened, um, the truly bad things didn't seem to happen. Did, did we did we pull too many punches for your taste, or are you satisfied tonally with what happened in this episode? Totally, totally satisfied tonally. I don't think that we pulled too many punches. I think you know we'll we'll talk this one through in more detail in a little bit. But just to address the whole thing generally, the Mary thing w- was probably the closest to like, oh wow, this is a very happy ending for Reverend Matt. Uh, I definitely would have expected it to be darker. Um, and I and I was starting to think that Mary was not going to make it in what whatever sort of march on Jarden was about to happen because of the whole, you have to stay in Miracle, you have to be in Jarden, you have to be there, you can't be here, otherwise the baby won't be safe. And I thought that the side effect was like that 10 minutes that Nora took was going to cost Mary. Um, so I was very worried about that, but I was surprised that we got the, the firm, happy ending answer on her, that Matt wasn't crazy, that Matt saw Mary, that she actually was she remembers that night. She's awake now. Um, so all of that, that was, that was surprisingly uplifting. But the rest of it, no. I mean, Jarden's in shambles. Jarden's on fire. Um, Kevin got shot through the chest. Yeah, you know, it, it went right through him, and that is truly a miracle. Um, but he, he did have that crucible. I totally thought that it was possible that he was going to stay in the hotel this time, that he wasn't going to come back, that he, uh, that it, it had been, uh, that this was curtains, that this was, this was lights out for him. I absolutely thought that that was on the table. Um, and I, I think that there were just moments of, of true, true sinister darkness, uh, you know, from John shooting him to John seeing Evie on the bridge and everything with Meg. So I think that all of that still was in line with what we've come to expect from The Leftovers. Um, but the, um, the, the ending that the, that the town is on fire and the Garveys are together, if not at their best, then at least together, that, was, that to me felt like an appropriate way to close this season for Kevin, who had really been struggling to regain his sanity and regain a hold on his life. And it, he had been insisting that he loves his family and he wants his family to be together. And he finally does all of those things and gets it back together. And, yeah, the world has gone to shit, but these people now feel like they're in a better place to handle that. They feel readier to, to brace, brace themselves for whatever is coming here and whatever is actively here in Jarden at this point. So I thought that it totally worked. I think that it, it landed on sort of this sweet spot that The Leftovers has been dancing toward and kind of um, dancing in already this season, which is having having these moments of huge intensity and heaviness, um, but still having humanity and life and having people who are starting to overcome 
a lot of these obstacles. Um, I, I think that this worked within that. I think that it, I think that this has been what we've been driving toward for a while, and I feel like the ending fell within those parameters. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I mean, we we don't. I don't. I don't want to get in too terribly deep to this right now. I find that last earthquake right before Kevin crawls up to the door to be very interesting in light of that. I don't know what that what that means. I really thought uh, that he crawls all the way back to the house. John goes into his house. Hey, if nobody's home, you can just come over to my house. They're best buds. They're going to have sleepovers now. It's great. And then another earthquake happens, and it's horrible. Uh, and I thought, you know, what's going to happen is a, a tree limb is going to fall on Kevin and break his back, and that's the end of all this. And this is the world we live in in The Leftovers, where you can't really ever have anything um, because, you know, you have to remember that – Death is coming, that it can happen, that all these things that you can't explain, science, religion, call it whatever you want, uh, are always hanging over you like a sword of Damocles, and they will ultimately fall on your head. I thought that's what this earthquake is. Instead, it's just another earthquake right before Kevin gets into his house. Is that all it is? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know, someone uncorked the island. Uh, the oh, whole no, thing, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> the whole thing was starting to fall apart. Please don't. No, I just, I think that when we do a deeper dive on this later in the week, I definitely want to get into that a little bit because the earthquakes clearly have meaning with Kevin. We know the earthquake happens when he's at the bottom of the well. And that's when he sort of comes back and the earthquake is ultimately what brings him back. The earthquake is what saves him when he kills himself with the cinder block, when he throws himself into the water. Uh, And we saw a great take of that tonight, uh, like we talked about in this podcast, that we might ultimately get Kevin remembering what happens. That's, in fact, exactly what we got. It was awesome. It was great to see that. It was awesome. Great to see that. You're right. Uh, But there was another earthquake right there that saved his life. So what is this final earthquake? There's a lot of symbolism there. Uh, Does it represent something bigger that maybe we're missing if we want to put the you know notes together or the puzzle pieces in the show i don't know and that this isn't the time for that this is our reactions to the finale when we do a deeper dive i do want to get into that with you 100 percent. yeah that earthquake to me i thought oh my gosh this is it everything seems like it's going to work out this is going to be the thing that ultimately it's not going to work out this one last thing happens and then you realize just like the departure you 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 forget that bad things happen in the life because you you know, you focus on the positives, you focus on the things that make you happy, uh, and you can't forget that these horrible things are just around the corner always. And so I was shocked by that not mattering at all. So it seems to me that it's purely symbolic, and it will be fascinating to unpack that deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I thought that he was, there was a moment where, where that earthquake happened, and he was down on the ground, and he starts looking up, and the way that he was looking up made it feel like, oh, man. Uh, is he looking at the house just being completely eradicated and gone yeah. at this point? Yeah, catching it, on fire. I mean, what's happening? Yeah, I thought that it was going to completely mirror the cave-in at the start of the season. I thought that it was going to be like his people are gone. Uh, I, th- I thought that's where we were going, and maybe he would find, like, I don't know, Holy Lily or somebody or something. Um, but no, instead, everyone's in there, and everyone's okay, and I hope we get to see what that looks like. Uh, I hope that we get season three. I hope that that's, that, that happens. I really, I really want to see. I feel like the show got left in a really compelling place uh, for future storytelling. 
Um, yeah, we've I mean, got, if, we've if this, got Lori if this, back, back with her family, yeah. uh, and Nora's there, uh, and you know, Matt and Mary is awake, and there's another yes. baby coming into the mix, and so Meg in the Guilty Remnant are in Jarden. Like all these things are in play here, and the Murphy family has been torn asunder. So there is definitely a, the fertile starting ground for season three. Uh, where that picks up, or if it picks up, I guess remains to be seen. But yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see it for sure. Yeah. Um, so how about the everything that played out with Kevin and John? Um, we, <laughs> you and I were texting before the episode started, and you had texted me and said, if John shoots and kills Kevin Garvey, we riot. Uh, and, you know, he kind of like temporarily killed him, but he did shoot him. And I think that we're rioting in a positive way because it led us back into the International Assassin Hotel, and that was fantastic. But what did you think of everything that played out between John and Kevin tonight? Because that's obviously a very important relationship that had been established throughout the season and had been touched on throughout the season, but really came full circle tonight. Well, yeah, you mentioned Kevin maybe changing a little bit when he comes back and he's ready to talk to John and all these things. I think that's true to an extent, but Kevin Garvey is a fairly straight shooter. Uh, He did come clean to Nora earlier this season, even though it took a lot for him to come clean about what's been happening in his life. And he certainly seems to be willing to come clean to John here. I'd say this is the worst time to do it, obviously. Like, straight up telling him to his face, like, maybe you're wrong that she didn't love you. Like, even though Kevin is in a great position to kind of give advice in this regard, especially considering what we know to be true, which is that Evie joined the Guilty Remnant, Kevin knows what it's like to have a family member run off and join the Guilty Remnant. Uh, Kevin knows what it's like to process emotions associated with that, to say maybe she didn't really love you, maybe she had something bigger going on. Kevin knows all of those things. But John Murphy, is this the guy that you really want to talk, talk, you know, true to, that you really want to just, just lay it all on the table to? I don't think so. And it really played out very poorly for Kevin, obviously, in the moment, even though it was a through-and-through shot. Um, it, it's just... In that moment, I was like, Kevin Garvey hasn't really changed because he still is very reckless with what he's doing here. And this is not an instance where he gave the handprint recklessly because he kind of felt like he was forced to. This is a choice Kevin is making uh, to kind of tell John these things. Kevin could have not said maybe she didn't love you, uh, but he did. And that's really rough. I mean, John at one point says to Kevin, like, prove it. Prove that happened. And all John has to say at that point is go talk to your son. Like yeah. He was there with me. He can tell you all about everything that happened. Go talk to your son. He's my alibi. And if you don't trust your son, like, I got nothing for you, buddy. Like, you're, you're talking about your daughter. You, won't, you don't want to trust your son. Like, what do you want me to do here? So I, I don't know why he didn't say, like, hey, go talk to Michael, except for the fact that I think he really wanted to talk to John on the level and say, like, I know you – because, I know you know, think about it, Kevin – Something miraculous has happened to Kevin, whether by science or by faith. Something miraculous has happened. He drank the poison. He thought he was dead. He has the experience in the hotel. He comes back eight hours later. He comes out of the grave. Something miraculous has happened. So I do think that he feels it necessary to tell John, like, listen, buddy, I know you think it can't happen here, but it it, it can't. It did. And I need you to hear that uh, because your outlook is wrong on these things. And if you're proceeding with the wrong outlook, you're not going to ever get the answers you're looking for. So I, I do think I, you know, he really wanted to come clean to John just seemed like a really bad way of doing it. And it seemed like yep. a really bad thing that he said. And yeah, he gets shot for it. Uh, not shocking at all, really, when it comes down to it. Right. But I, I just love the way that Kevin, 
you know, I don't know if I want to say forgave him. It's like he didn't blame him to begin with, but the way that Kevin interacted with him at the end of the episode and the whole, oh, yeah. um, you know, just like what happens if my family, if no one's in my house, like then you come over to mine. Uh, I just, I, I love this new Kevin Garvey. I really want to see more of that Kevin Garvey. I want to see more. I want to see more leftovers. Uh, there's a great interview with Damon Lindelof and Alan Sepinwall over at HitFix right now that dives into all of that stuff. Will we see season three? What is Lindelof doing to get season three to happen? HBO, what is HBO doing to get all of that to happen? Um, so hopefully it will happen. It sounds like we'll find out one way or the other about the fate of the leftovers in just a couple of weeks. Uh, so fingers crossed, man. My fingers are firmly crossed that we're going to get more stuff. Um, unless you want to dive into any of the specific topics, uh, do you want to do you want to tackle some of the questions that we've got right now, Antonio? Because we want to we want to just wrap up our our brief reaction. Yeah, let's let's do the questions. Yeah, and of course we're have we're having some technical difficulties here with the live feed. Hopefully we have a few of these questions lined up right now. We're sorry about all of that. Up oh, turns out we only have one question right now just because the live feed is really messed up. So we're going to turn this audio around really fast. Uh so hopefully you guys have well, all that. Well, I can dig into the chat room and, and pull some out of there sure. as well. So Great. let's so, let's go with the to- question that we've got. Perfect. So Antonio will handle that. And sorry again that the live feed is a little messy right now, but we will have this audio podcast for you guys ASAP and a much deeper dive later in the week. So it'll be, it'll be leftovers business as usual in post-show recap. So let's dive into this. This is from Umberto who said, so how many stars on Yelp is Kevin leaving to this hotel? Uh, I don't think like a ton of stars. <laughs> I would guess, I would guess that Kevin would really, really, really super prefer not to ever have to go back to the International Assassin Hotel ever again. That would be, that would be my my bet if I had to take a bet. Yeah, I, I mean, it, this is interesting because we saw now two of the four choices. And the priest choice is just not a Kevin Garvey that we know. Um, I don't know if we find out that, um, I, you know, if we find out that at one point um, that, uh, that he was a priest or was a seminarian before he became a cop. Um, I don't know if that happens. But, uh, you know, and, and then the fourth is the guilty remnant. And we already know that Kevin is somewhat associated with the guilty remnant uh, in that he has the smoking answer. He understands why they do a little bit of what they do. That said, there is that great moment between Kevin and John. Uh, there's the, the, the two, the three understanding moments that really flag here uh, about visiting the hotel again because of the guilty remnant outfit. I really want to hit this is, you know, Evie, Evie writes the note to uh to erica when erica's asking why are you doing this repeatedly and evie's note says you understand the you understand is also really i think what patty's last words to kevin were real patty not manifestation patty like patty prime patty's last words to kevin before she slits her throat with the piece of glass are basically like you understand like you know like you're gonna you're, you're gonna you know you're gonna figure this out and then kevin and john when they're on the floor of the health clinic and he's bleeding out John says, I don't understand what's happening. And Kevin says, me neither. And yeah. so there is this kind of, you understand? No, I don't understand. Yes, you do understand. No, I don't understand what's happening. Um, but so that's all really fascinating. And I, I would say that as far as understanding goes, the two visits that he's taken to the, I don't know if we want to call it what, like limbo hotel or whatever, um, they've given Kevin a lot of understanding. Like he does choose the different outfit this time around. 
He does understand that he's going to have to go through some tasks or trials to get out of there. He's willing, Josh, he's willing to sing karaoke. Most people yeah. aren't willing to do that. So, yes. you know, there is some understanding. Like I said, Kevin, Kevin Garfunkel was great. Yes, Kevin Garfunkel. Uh, there is some understanding that's developing there. Uh, so, I don't know. It, that That is more than anything, I think, what I'd be interested to to kind of track. I, I saw some feedback. I think it was from Matthew P. in the chat room here. I apologize if I'm ascribing that comment to the wrong person. Hey, we're working with what we can right now yeah but he was saying <laughs> like I, i'm sick of the guilty remnant like i don't like the guilty remnant i really i'm not that part of the show i'm not i'm not really vibing on i don't really understand what their purpose is i don't understand those things and if that wasn't you matthew p i apologize uh, because maybe you feel more confident about the guilty remnant than some other people but to those people who are, who are questioning kind of the guilty remnants motives uh, or wondering like this action, how does it jibe or what are they trying to do? Josh, could you sum that up and how this action really fits uh, with what the ultimate goals of the guilty remnant are? Keeping in mind that this is Meg's offshoot of the guilty remnant. Right. So it might be hybrid a little bit. But how does this fit with what you understand the goals of the guilty remnant to be? Uh, and from an emotional standpoint, especially. And, you know, is it different in any way? Yeah, well, I think what the what the the really key aspect of that is the fact that this is an offshoot, that this is a splinter, that this is Meg's leadership over her section of the guilty remnant, this kind of guilty renegade, you know, this guilty renegade group. Um, and what she really wants is what's more important than what we've seen from the guilty remnant in the past. I think um, they're really kind of following her lead on this, and I think it speaks a lot to what we were kind of talking about in last week's podcast: how Meg seems to really want to be putting the cigarette out in the eye. Um, you know, her her whole thing is she stems from loss uh, that occurred right before the Great Departure, literally the day before. And she was told by tons of people, at least, you know, at least, you know what happened. Um, and I think that she has been remarkably affected by that. Um, and I think that for her, she, you know, this whole thing with Evie and taking them away and bringing them back the way that they've been brought back after everyone in Jarden and the Murphys, they were wondering what had happened to our daughter. Is she gone? Is she dead? Is she departed? You know, what happens? We have so many questions. Uh, we have no answers. And I think that this is this is uh, Meg saying, well, at least you have your answer. And the answer is you've got, you know, these three lovely young women who you all were mourning and missing are no longer missing. And you probably are now mourning them for different reasons because they're very much alive, but they're very much not yours. Um, they have changed. They are mine. They are ours. Um, and I think that the, you know, this place miracle Jarden, it has represented um, this idea of, the departure not happening. You know, it, it actually did not happen in this town. Um, and the whole guilty remnant philosophy has been, uh, we want to remind people that this thing happened and that the world has changed. And that's how they've been acting in places like Mapleton in the past. Uh, but here we are, we're, we're now seeing them occupy a place that had been completely untouched. And I think like if they can strike fear and terror into the heart of this place, um, then it's really, it's, you know, it's guilty remnant on steroids. So as for what they do now that the place is really just overrun, do they stay? Can they be chased out? Will they have to be forcibly removed? What does this mean for the future if we do get, you know, further leftover stories? Do we start to see, you know, those like ATF types of um, organizations that we've seen in season one? Are they going to start to come into play and start to come to bear upon what's going on here in Jarden now? I don't know. Those are all the questions that we're left with here. But as for the goal, as for the motive, I think for Meg, it was really to 
really throw the rock through the glass window of this place and just destroy this really carefully crafted, um, you know, idea represented by Jarden. And I think that, uh, as, as we saw tonight, I feel like mission severely accomplished for, for many of these people. And it, it's interesting that the people who had experienced the departure, the Garveys and the people from Mapleton who are all in Kevin's house at the end of the episode, that those seem to be the people who are at their strongest right now. Here in Jarden, people like the Murphys and all of those people, we are seeing them basically deal with their departure event for the first time. Um, and that makes things very interesting for where the show has left off here and where it could move um, going forward. Do you got anything else here, Antonio? Do we have any other uh, questions that we can dive through well, quickly? Yeah, well, just, I mean, I think this was Umberto as well, but I'm not sure. Um, the question was, what do you make of the dog leaving? Uh, dog leaving Kevin, like the dog kind of walks him out of the place and that's his dog and he's so happy. And then he gets to the bridge and he's gone. Right. Anything on that? What do you make of that? Um, I don't know. The, the dog, the dogs are not ours, right? Isn't that what's been what's been said in the past? Yeah. Uh, so the do- the dogs are their own people now. But it was a fairly calm dog. I mean, usually the dogs of the show are just so uh, are so renegade and and hardcore. Uh, but the dog was really peaceful at the end of this thing. Yeah, and then so let's talk another. This is a, this is from uh, a user whose name I will not repeat. Uh, this question is kind of, will there be a season three? And we have, I guess, a little bit of information on that. And the answer is ultimately that we don't know. Uh, you indicated earlier in this podcast that Damon Lindelof has basically said um, that, hey, yeah, there's probably going to be a season three if people want it, if there's enough, but we don't know. Uh, we're going to find out within the next couple of weeks. Uh, and Damon Lindelof specifically gave his interview to Alan Sepinwall because he said, like, I got to try to generate some buzz about the show. I got to try to generate some chatter about the show. The ratings were up last week. They did tick up. They were a season high, but they were still low, lower than anything that was in season one, uh, and certainly not high enough to say it's a slam dunk for renewal. I hope that that means that the buzz around episode eight generated a lot of buzz for episode nine and that everything that was set up in episode nine made people wonder enough to stay tuned for episode 10. The yeah. Walking Dead's mid-season is over. Uh, so oh, there's a lot of hopefully good omens for this final episode for the ratings to go up. Even if they go up, I don't think a third season is guaranteed. Uh, it's just that it was a it was kind of a sleeper show to begin with uh, and the ratings were down this year. So it, there's no guarantee that a critical darling and that HBO loving the creative aspects of the show, which Damon Lindelof indicated to Alan Sepinwall that they have, uh, they've loved the creative aspects of it, but, but numbers are numbers. It's, I mean, it's a fact. And the show does cost money to make. I can tell you that the songs they use, especially um, getting the licenses and the rights for those songs do cost money. Uh, and that there's some interesting tidbits about that that we'll get into later in the week for sure, specifically with regard to Kevin singing uh, Homeward Bound. So there are all these options for season three. Um, it's not 100% sure where everything stands, but Damon Lindelof wants to make more. We should find out very quickly. If the ratings are up for this final episode, it can only bode well. So let's keep our fingers crossed. All right, so two more things. I've got two more questions, and then we'll close it uh, right. for now. This is from Edwin Johnson, and it's all it, this is all the same theme we're talking about right now. And this is from Edwin who says, how are they going to be able to keep this momentum going, hopefully into a third season? Where can all of this go? Um, if we do get season three, Antonio, where do you see it going? Where do you see this thing moving forward in the future? Oh, my gosh. You're asking me 
need to like sing for my supper here, Josh, and get our podcast renewed. Uh, I don't know. I would say that it, it, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier in this reaction podcast here that we've got we've got ultimately a, a setup for things in miracle kind of being broken and them picking up the pieces. We saw what that looked like in Mapleton in season one. We saw a world where people had had horrible things and they responded to it. And we saw sort of how that manifested, whether it was the BBA dean, the guy shooting dogs, the guilty remnant, um, the, the way the politics were playing out, the police. We saw people kind of saying, they're not our dogs. Like, you know, I thought it was my husband's dog. And we saw the cottage industry. We saw the world around the town. We saw really everything play out that way. And, of course, the really interesting thing about this season was seeing a town that wasn't like that, at least on the surface, that was untouched by all the things that happened uh, in response to everything that went down with the departure. And so I think that it's fascinating to say that we saw, you know, a town like that. Uh, we saw a town that wasn't like that. So it might be interesting, you know, to pick up right in Miracle. And, and I think we might want to see, like, let's say six months have passed. What does Miracle look like? after it has been touched, um, where are all those people? Because we didn't see the parents of the other girls in this episode. They were kind of at odds with the Murphys about their reaction to the people. They wanted yeah. to let the guy kill the goat, for example, in the memorial service. And they wanted to fill out the forms for the DSD. So there are different points of view here. And it will be sort of fascinating, I think, to see the way that people in this town get touched, uh, if you will, in a non, totally non-threatening way, but just in a way, how will this event shake up all of these people with varying viewpoints and varying interpretations uh, of this specific place? Um, how will, how will that play out? And I think that's more kind of, it's almost a reset of season one, uh, but re a season one kind of prime uh, with some of the same characters. So we can really see where the arcs have continued. I'd be fascinated with that. I'd also be fine if they totally relocated and season three was in Australia, Josh. Yeah, but we'll talk about the the budget. <laughs> you yeah. know, get it. Moving the whole show to Australia seems like a costly affair, but that'd be dope. It'd be great. I would love to see it. Uh, and I, I love all those ideas. I think it's great. I think that there's so much potential for this show. I think that the show is so creatively ripe right now. These characters are so excellently realized, and they're all in phenomenally fascinating spots right now. That being said, this is a question from Noah Naiman who says, I think this show could be, I think this could be a great series finale. They really made it work if they don't get renewed. However, I want season three and I want it to follow the Murphys to a new town where we can meet another family. Season three can close the story for the Murphy family and season four would follow the new family to a new place. So that's, that's uh, Noah's suggestion for what season three could look like. There could be cool stuff in there as long as we got some Garvey action as well. I think that right now, Jarden is really, really the, is my jam right now. I want to see, I'm, I'm really invested in the future of Jarden, the way that it, is ju it just got systematically torn apart uh, by the guilty remnant or Meg's remnant, at least. So I'm re I really hope that that's what we see. But let's take the first part of what Noah said and let's close out the podcast here. If this is a series finale, if this is it, if we don't get renewed, if, if we don't get removed, well, we, our podcast wouldn't get renewed. If The Leftovers does Let's not come back. Let's make this about us, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If The Leftovers doesn't come back, if that was it, if that was the final word on The Leftovers, how do you feel about that being a closer? How do you feel about that being the final chapter of the story of the Garveys, the Murphys, and this world where 2% of the population mysteriously vanished? From a, from a reality standpoint, I'd be super sad that we weren't getting more leftovers. But from a story standpoint, I would feel pretty good about it because I would feel like 
you know, you, when horrible things happen, you fall back on the people that you can fall back on. You fall back on your closest people, uh, your family, uh, or your very closest connected people. Uh, and you use that as your base of operations. The people who understand, the people who you can understand, the people who get it and get what's going on. And that's ultimately where Kevin and John are left. Uh, in this, in the course of this, uh, this season with this finale. Uh, and I think that more than anything, if that's the theme of the leftovers, if the theme of the leftovers is look, people are going to depart. People are going to leave your lives. People are inexplicably, you know, you won't have an answer for why some horrible things have happened to you and to the people that you care about. It seems random, like happenstance in the universe. What should your response be? And if at the end of the day, what your response is, is draw closer to the ones you love, fall back on the ones you can count on, try to make sense of what you can with each other, knowing that, knowing that most people don't understand, knowing that everyone can't really understand what's happening and people are going to come up with different answers, but that you're together and that if horrible things are happening, but you've got people and things that you can count on uh, and you've got things that you can draw strength from, then you're probably going to be okay and you're going to get through this. And I think that if that's the, if that's the final kind of sounding and ending note of the leftovers as a series. I like that. I like that because it isn't science. It isn't faith. It isn't kind of saying, let's have a creed that relies on one specific rule or way of, of being. It is, it's just all about like taking care of each other. Let the mystery be, but be there for each other and share it together and experience things that way. I think that that's better. Uh, and I think that ultimately if that's the story of Kevin Garvey, if that's the change that was made in his life is that after everything that has happened, uh, he's got Matt, he's got Mary, he's got Lori, he's got Tommy holding a baby. He's got Jill and he's got Nora and he's got everybody in one room, everybody who loves him in one room. This is fantastic. And so I think that's all we can all ever really ask for when we need support or when we want answers. And if that's what The Leftovers is encouraging in us, I think that's great. But really what we actually want is for Kevin to get shot again and go back to the International uh, Assassin Hotel. Yeah, but he has to. This time he's got to wear the priest outfit, right? <laughs> no, be an International Assassin again. You just want that over and over? No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. I love, Assassins by the way, too. <laughs> I love that they said there's a cop in distress. I think they're going to kill him. Kevin is the cop in distress. Like, Kevin is the one who they might kill, and he has to get down to the lobby to save himself. And yeah. I think that that's fascinating. I think that the world that exists in that hotel, we could talk about it forever, Josh. I'm looking forward to breaking that down with you. If there are questions that were tweeted at us here that I pick up here in the chat after, uh, we'll make sure we get to them in our, our podcast that we break down later. We also really encourage you guys to share your questions that you want us to break down in a much longer way. Tweet yes. at us, you know, tweet at Josh. He's at round Howard. Is that right, Josh? That's correct. Yeah. I'm at AC Mazzaro with two Z's, one R. You can also always tweet using the hashtag, P.S. Recaps, but you can leave your comments on our show page here at Post Show Recaps. We've had some great, great, great comments uh, on our episode pages here on the website. So thankful for all of that. It really does drive the discussion. It's part of what makes this show great, that people are so willing to engage and have theories and discuss the issues that are coming up on the show. So those contributions are phenomenal. We love them. We relish them. We can't wait to hear what everyone has to say about this finale. 
All right, so let's let's wrap it here. Again, really sorry that we couldn't get you to we couldn't get this to you guys live. Uh, we tried, we tried, we did what we could. Hopefully, you're able to see this back in the archives. At the very least, you are listening to this in the archives. I'm going to as soon as we get off of here, I am going to edit that all together. Thanks, Scott St. Pierre, for holding it down. Thank you, Antonio. Thank you, everybody who stayed up to watch and or listen. Uh, we really do appreciate it. So subscribe to what we're doing. Postshowrecaps.com/slash iTunes for the leftover specific feed. It's postshowrecaps.com/slash left leftovers itunes antonio do we have a hashtag did anything jump out I, at you? what was it kevin garfunkel yeah hashtag kevin garfunkel sing that to us sing that yeah. our way did you uh, josh did us- you drink a glass of water when this podcast started is that what happened here I think that might be what happened. Oh, I have my no. glass. I have my glass of water right here. Yeah, me too. Uh, but, oh, we're in trouble. But, yeah, we suddenly departed. We promised a live a live podcast. We suddenly departed. Okay, so I'm going to get off here and I'm going to work on that. We'll be back later Stop. in the week. We will have a uh, a really extensive deep dive into this finale and probably just the leftovers at large. Um, you know, the the season is over, but I have a feeling that you are not done hearing what we have to say about the show. Definitely Lots not. Of- Lots of different takes that we want to give. So look out for all of that. And thank you again, everybody. Antonio, I'll talk to you soon. I love everyone. <laughs> That's how you're going to close? That's good. I yes. like it. I love everyone, too. Okay. Love you all. Bye. We just beat all the years.